Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Last week we left off with Joseph's nine older brothers returning a second time to Egypt in search of grain and food for their families and their livestock. On their first visit, the nine older brothers stood in the presence, or the ten older brothers stood in the presence of Zatnath Paneah, who was Joseph. They didn't realize it was their brother standing there. He uh, was a very powerful man, and they had heard his name many times. They had no clue that this was the brother they had sold into slavery over two decades previous. But Joseph remembered them. See, the difference is that last time they saw Joseph, he looked like an Israelite. He looked like a Hebrew. But now he had taken on the persona of an Egyptian ruler. Joseph had called them spies last time. The first time they came, he accused them of being spies. And he held one of the brothers back, Simeon, and ordered his, the rest of his brothers to come back with Benjamin in tow to prove that they were who they said they were. And then if they did that, he would let Simeon out of custody and he would allow them to trade and and buy and sell in the land of Egypt. Joseph was manipulating their circumstances to test the hearts of his brothers to see if they had changed from being selfish and quarrelsome. He was sadly disappointed to see that they were much like the scoundrels who had betrayed him all those years before. But now, their second trip, they had returned with Benjamin. Joseph had Simeon released upon their arrival because he had given his word he would do so. He threw a banquet in his palace for these 11 brothers, none of whom recognized him still. And while we might think this is a happy ending to the story, Joseph is about to press these ten guilty brothers who had done this to him. God needed to grab their hearts. He needed to alter their hearts in the direction in life they were going. Remember, these were going to become the twelve tribes of Israel. And so he wanted these men broken. In today's story, we see the anatomy of a tragedy. First, we see joy turned into fear. We pick up our story in Genesis chapter 44. And Joseph commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as their morning dawned, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to the steward, get up, follow them in, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks, referring to the cup, and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. So he overtook them, and he spoke to them these same words. 
Have you ever been having an extraordinarily great day and then your cell phone rings? And without warning, your whole world gets turned upside down. I know some of us in here know what that's all about. These 11 brothers must have thought they had it made. They set out for home. Life is good. That money issue they uh, had been resolved. You know, remember they got a day's travel away from Egypt and they went to feed their donkeys and they opened their grain sacks and all their money is on top of the grain. And it, it just sends terror into them. So Jacob comes up with the idea, remember, of creating this gift. But they arrive and the money's, you know, the, the steward says, hey, don't worry about this. We had your money and your God must have blessed you. I think Joseph took care of the bill. Simeon's out of prison. Uh, now they're, they're, you know, he lets them go and life, everything's looking up, right? And this grumpy ruler had become a gracious host the night before, throwing this big party for, for, for these sheep herders. That, they can't figure out why he would do this. The Egyptians did not like the Israelites. They just didn't. They thought very poorly of them. And so for him to invite them into the palace and slaughter an animal, and not only that, as they're walking with their donkeys on the way back to see Dad, Benjamin has a smile on his face, and he's going with them. We're going to show up. This is perfect. We couldn't, have, we couldn't have written a story better than this. Wait till we get home with Dad and we tell him all that happened. What a mountaintop experience for them. When all of a sudden one of them notices that from the south there are some riders coming, and they're riding hard and fast, they're kicking up dust. I wonder who these guys are and why they're in such a big hurry. Maybe when they get, you know, a hundred yards away, they wait a minute, that's that's Zapnath Panea's steward. What's he doing? What's the problem here? And he rides up to him, gets off the horse, and we know what he says. He jumps off his horse, walks over, and says, why have you repaid evil for good? Whoa, hold on a minute. Well, that's when their joy turned into fear. And second, we see fear turned into denial. It's interesting to know that as I looked at this this week, you see a parallel here between their reactions and the five stages of grief. Anybody know what those are? It, it begins with denial. And then it turns into anger. It turns into bargaining. And then depression and acceptance. We're going to see many of those as their reactions. And it's almost, it is in order of what I just said. Verse 7, And they said to him, Why does my Lord say these words? Far be it from us that your servants should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And also, we, we also will be my Lord's servants. We didn't do this, denial. When confronted by the steward of the house, the brothers immediately react with denial. And this is a normal human response to a crisis. Our minds react with, this can't be happening to me. This steward has it all wrong. They were sure that none of them would do such a foolish thing as to steal 
Zapnath Panea's favorite silver cup. I mean, come on. None of us would do that. None of us would risk our lives like that. None of us would risk the lives of all our brothers for such a, a foolish mistake. Verse 10, and he, Joseph Stewart, said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless. The rest of you shall be blameless. Then each man speedily let down his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. They were just sure this wasn't true. Imagine their response when they once again find money in their sacks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is going on here? Their answer is, God is dealing with us and what we did a long time ago. It's now coming to fruition. Verse 12, so he searched. He began with the oldest and he left off with the youngest. So he began with the oldest and he works their way down by birth order, searching them. So once again, they not only can seat them at a dinner setting in birth order, but now they can search them in birth order. This has got to blow their minds. How does he do? How does he know this? Continuing on in verse 12, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh my word. Of all the brothers to steal the cup, it was Benjamin. It was Benjamin. Well, we saw joy interrupted by fear. Second, we saw fear interrupted by denial. And when they say we didn't do it. Third, we saw denial interrupted by grief. Now their denial turns into extreme grief. Verse 13, then they tore their clothes. This is a sign of genuine grief and repentance in the ancient world. And each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city they are overwhelmed with grief. Judah, the emerging leader among his brothers, remember Reuben was the oldest son. He should have been leading this group, but because he had sinned so gravely against his father, their relationship is broken. And so now Judah steps in his place. Allow me to remind you of Judah's promise. His life for Benjamin's safe return Judah, this emerging leader among his brothers, is about to come clean and come to repentance for his actions against his little brother Joseph all those years ago. He clearly sees God is working in this situation and he's about to repent. Third, we saw denial interrupted by grief and now we're going to see fourth, grief's interrupted request for mercy. Verse 14, so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house and he was still there and they fell before him on the ground. I can't tell you, I forgot how many times now they've bowed down to Joseph. Remember, Joseph had two dreams that this would happen and they got very angry when he suggested this would happen, but this is now, I believe, the fifth time that they're now prostrate before Joseph. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? Joseph, I think, here is pulling their chain as he takes on the persona of an angry Egyptian ruler whose practice, the, the Egyptians' practice, was to practice divination, which means they could tell the truth from a lie 
or reality from non-reality by, by looking in their, their favorite cups. They would pour wine into it and they believed they could tell the future. And so Joseph is, is pushing this and his persona as an Egyptian ruler. Those cups would have been the one that they used. Then Judah said, what, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. We did something a long time ago, and God, we sinned, and God has found out that sin, and we're about to pay for it. Here we are, my Lord, slaves, both we and, all, and he also to whom the cup was found. Judah in includes them all. You remember, he was allowed to be sent home. He didn't steal the cup. The other brothers didn't steal the cup. They could have walked out free. But Judah goes, no, it's not going to happen. We're all going to be in this together. We're all going to pay the price together. We're not letting Benjamin be a slave by himself. We've got to protect him. So we're all going to join him. Finally, a heart. One of the brothers has a heart for God and a heart with love. Remember, it was Judah who had the idea of selling Joseph into slavery. So he's up to his neck in all of this. But he rightfully recognizes that this tragic moment is a God appointment by seeing his hand in this event. When you sinned as they sinned, there's no ex explanation or excuse which will cover the sin and resolve it. Only God's grace and mercy will absolve it. And these brothers are now clearly admitting to their guilt and that they deserve punishment. They're going to stay behind. And finally, we see the ten older brothers acting in a loving and unselfish way towards their little brother, Benjamin. As I said, the ten could have left Benjamin and headed for home and said, well, this is on you. You stole the cup. We didn't. But no, they're all going to stay. Sometimes doing the honorable thing will cost you greatly. Do it anyway. And trust that God will work all things together for good to those that love Him and to those that are called according to His purpose. Sometimes in life, we can take a shortcut, but God is always watching. Honor your faithfulness to Him. Honor the God that you serve. Verse 17, But he, Joseph, said, Far be it from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be a slave. And as for you, go up in peace to your father. Normally, this, by the way, would be the end of a conversation with such a man as Zapnapaneah. When Zapnapaneah spoke, you did what he said. You didn't argue with him <laughs> if you wanted to keep your head anyway. He wasn't used to someone coming back at him. This is where the story gets really, really interesting. Zapnapaneah expects them to turn around and walk away. I've ruled. I've made my ruling. Judah's not having it. We saw grief's interrupted request for mercy that was denied. And fifth, we see mercy's interruption by love. His original request didn't go through. And now Judah is going to speak not to Zatnaphaneah, but I think to the Father's heart. Verse 18, here it is. Then Judah came near to Joseph and said, O oh my Lord, 
please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. Now, if you've ever been a cop and, and done testimony in court or been an attorney or a judge or sat on a trial as a juror, you might be familiar with the word a sidebar. Sidebar is when one of the defense or one of the attorneys wants to object to what's being line of questioning that's being done. Or maybe somebody is, they can tell which direction, they know what the next question is going to be and they say, I object, I need to have a sidebar. And the judge goes, come on up front. And here's Judah. Judah doesn't want his brothers to interfere, I imagine. You know, they'll, they'll insert things he doesn't want inserted. He wants to go one-on-one with Zapnaphpaneah, the father. You hear it in his line of questioning here. He brings his father into it a lot. And he's trusting that the heart of the father of Zapnaphpaneah will hear him and relent. Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ear. Let, let me talk to you off to the side here. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, against Benjamin. Don't do that. For you are even like Pharaoh. I'm terrified of talking with you. My Lord, he's going to lay out the story, asked his servant saying, have, your, have you a father or a brother? Remember when he asked him this on their first trip. And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead. That's, they're, they're thinking Joseph is dead. And he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, Judah continues, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. A few months later, they ran out of grain. They needed to go back to Zapnathpaneah to get more. But we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down, for we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, and the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn to pieces. He's referring to the news when Joseph, they brought his coat of many colors, they shredded it, poured blood on it, showed it to their father, said, an animal must have torn him up. Surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. Judah speaking, but if you take this one also from me, I'm sorry, Jacob speaking, when, if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to my grave. You'll kill me if you don't come back with Benjamin. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father. Judah had promised his dad, I will take care of Benjamin. I promise to bring him back. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad. Take my life 
in place of Benjamin's life and let the lad go with his brothers. For how shall I go to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? I've told you that Joseph was a forerunner, a picture of the coming Messiah, Jesus. Let me give you six of the parallels that I find here. These are my favorite six of how Joseph is a precursor of the Messiah. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. Jesus by his Jewish brothers, according to his birth mom. He was Jewish. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver to Ishmaelite traders. Jesus was sold by Judas, the traitor, for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was cast into prison. Jesus was placed into a tomb. Joseph in prison preached deliverance to the cupbearer. Jesus proclaimed the gospel to the spirits while he was in the grave. Joseph had two fellow prisoners with him. One was delivered, you remember, the cupbearer got to go back to his job, while the other one, the baker, died. Jesus had two criminals with him at Calvary, one who was forgiven and the other who chose eternal death. Joseph was promoted to the throne. Jesus sits at the throne room at his father's right hand as I speak and will return as king of kings and lord of lords. And just as Judah was surety for his little brother Benjamin, Jesus is our surety in truth. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God cannot look upon sin. We could no longer have access to the father when Adam and Eve made the original sin that broke, that cut it. For you and I, there was no forgiveness of sin. But God loved us so much that He sent the only person that could pay for sin, His Son, down to earth to be born in a manger, to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live and haven't lived, in order that He could go to the cross in what I call the glorious exchange, He took our robe of filthy sin and traded His robe of perfect righteousness. And He went to the cross with that robe of sin and He was killed. He, split, he spilled His blood on the cross for you and for me. And we walk away forgiven restored to the Father now. We can have a relationship with Him. If you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, God looks upon you not as a guilty or sinful person. He looks upon you as He sees His Son. He sees you completely forgiven. You can go into His throne room whenever you want. James tells us, go boldly before the throne. You can, go, you can walk in there. He's your dad. You have full access pass to talk to your Father. If you've accepted that gift that Jesus paid for you and gave each one of us, offered to each one of us. But gifts are funny. If I place a gift on, uh, on the table and say, hey, this is yours, and you go, okay, I, I understand that. I know that gift's mine. And then you turn around and walk away and don't pick up the gift. It's not your gift. You haven't made it yours. You don't have to pay for it. It's already been paid for. It's a gift. 
What you have to do is claim it. And the gospel is a lot like an RSVP. Don't plan on going to heaven because your parents were Christians. Don't plan on going to heaven because you repeated some words long ago that you didn't even know what they, under, what they meant. You didn't understand them. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. Make the decision that you'll be glad you made when you step into the presence of Jesus Christ for the first time and you're home forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the promise of salvation, for the promise that You make to us that anyone that would hear Your voice and respond to the present You're offering will be saved. We know that Your heart is for all people to be saved and all to come to heaven with You, to know You as their Father and to walk with You daily. But then not everyone makes that decision. And that grieves Your heart. It grieves mine. Grieves everyone that's a follower because we want everyone to come with us. We want others to experience salvation like we've experienced. It's a great thing to know that you're no, not, no longer guilty, that, that you're forgiven. It's a great thing to begin the relationship, even now, today, with you, that you'll walk with us. Not that, not that our lives will not be difficult. Not that we won't go through storms, but that we now have a resource. We have the Heavenly Father, You, to walk with us through there, to guide us, to love us, to encourage us. Thank You for that. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who made it all perfect and possible. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.